watched the show on Netflix. It's called um, Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee. Anybody else ever watch that? It's really good. You should try it. Jess has watched it because I watch it. And uh, so anyway, it's, it's uh, Jerry Seinfeld, and he always drives a cool car. And then he has, it's a different car every week, and he has a comedian riding with him, and they just talk to each other. And it's pretty entertaining. Um, so anyway, this past week they had uh, Cedric the Entertainer on there, which I think for one is the most awesome name. I'd love to be called Adam the Entertainer. Uh, some kids at school, uh, when I go recruit at schools, they started calling me Mr. Construction, which is, I like that better than some nicknames I've had. But anyway, he said this thing that was pretty funny and caught my eye. And, uh, and so he said, uh, you ever notice when you go to church, the minister never really seems ready? You know, and he said, you know, he's there and he's going, um, once the service starts, you know, it's good to see you this morning. I'm glad you decided to show up, right? Like, he's still got to find the page. You know, he didn't know we were getting started just yet. I feel that way every Sunday. I'm sure you don't know because I'm so smooth. But I get up here to do the welcome, and I got no idea what I'm going to say. Not the foggiest idea. I just know we're going to pray when I'm done rambling. And, uh, and every week, I, I just feel a little bit like there are a lot more things I needed to prepare for. Here's the reason that life is like that. Uh, the minister is not contemplating all the deep things he's about to say. He's just killing some time until he can put his thoughts together. Because the reality is, you came in this morning and all you knew is, I'm going to get coffee and I'm going to sit in the seat. Because uh, you had a busy week and you live life in haste. And so does the minister living some life in, in, in a lot of haste. And what I find in my own life, what I imagine you find in your life, is that when I get super busy, um, there are usually two things that get left out. And a lot, of things, a lot of things have to happen, but two things are pretty easy to cut out, especially in the morning. And that is, I'm not going to spend any time in prayer and I'm not going to spend some time in my Bible. And that's what's going to happen when life gets busy. And those are going to be the things that always, always get put on the back burner. I'm going to brush my teeth. That's going to happen. Because everybody had the teacher in school that didn't brush their teeth. Right? And the whole school knew that that teacher had stinky breath. And so I'm not going to be that person. I'm going to make sure my teeth get brushed. I'm going to make sure that I get dressed. Because nobody wants that. I'm going to get dressed before I go to work. I'm going to eat three meals during the day or at least two. You know, like I'm going to make sure those things happen. They're not getting cut out. When it's late at night, I'm going to watch a show on Netflix while Molly's yelling from her bedroom, not quite ready to fall asleep. I'm going to do that. That stuff's not getting cut out. But the one thing that consistently gets cut out when the schedule gets busy is I'm going to spend less time in prayer and I'm going to put off studying the Bible till tomorrow. I mean, I'm on a one-year Bible plan that I'm projected to finish in three years. You know, I get half of it one day, I skip it the next, I do the whole one, then I do a half one. I mean, I'm struggling to to keep pace because that's the thing that happens. And here's the thing. Why do we cut that? Why do you think that gets cut? Because it feels like that part doesn't show. It feels like that's the expendable part. That's the part that can go. Right? It feels like that's the little thing that nobody's going to notice. But what I'm telling you is that it does notice. It does. People notice, right? It shows. And when you don't spend time in that, absolutely people know. It shows up in your decision-making, in the decisions that you choose to make throughout the day. It shows up in your attitude. 
shows up in your, your greed or your coveting. Man, when I'm not spending a lot of time in prayer and in the Word and getting some direction from there, all of a sudden I want a whole lot of things that I ain't got. And that happens consistently. And so when I'm not spending time there, it shows. When I'm not spending time in prayer and the Word, I have a lack of compassion towards other people. And when I cut out that thing that is expendable, man, it's really not that expendable. And it really shows in the way that I treat other people and the way that I live. It seems pretty fitting that Paul, he rounds out his whole letter to the church, and, uh, and he rounds it out with an admonition to pray and to pray earnestly, but also to pray particularly and for some very particular things. And that's how Paul rounds out this book of Colossians. And that's where we're going to finish today. Colossians chapter 4. Colossians chapter 4, we're starting verse 2. Here's, here's my prayer today. Sometimes when we talk about, um, when we talk about uh, personal evangelism, that means talking to people about Jesus, when we talk about prayer, when we talk about reading your Bible, it feels like we're all kind of like, ugh, you know, like that's a lot. Or that's not something that I'm looking forward to, or that's a challenge. And what I hope is that as we dig through it today, you see that for Paul, uh, prayer and, and evangelism or telling people about his faith, it's like a refreshing win for him. And it's exciting for him. And no part of it is, is laborsome. He loves it. And I hope that as we walk through this today, you look at some of those things of the faith, not like they're such a challenge and such a disruption, but rather they're just things that bring you some joy. It's not a gasp out. It's like a breath of fresh air. That's what I hope we get as we read through this. So here we go. Colossians chapter 4, verse 2. We'll just read through verse 6. He says to the church, he says, Devote yourselves to prayer being watchful and thankful. And pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders, making the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. There's so much stuff in there. I spent so much time digging in all these words that then when I was, I mean, I, like, I had to cut out so much stuff because there's so much rich, richness there. But I want to start at the beginning of it. The first thing that Paul says for the church to do is he says, you guys need to pray. And the first thing he says is pray persistently. Pray persistently. Here, here's what that word means. He says, um, let me see, let me grab the passage. He says, devote yourselves to prayer. Here's what the word devote means. It, 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 when it's used in the text and you, you, you jump back to the Greek usage and you cross-reference and all that, it means this. It means to courageously persist. Courageously persist. Does that describe anything in your life? Courageous persistence. Jess was out of town uh, Saturday. She went to see her mom. I was at home. She calls me. I hate to give her this, but it is true. She says, Adam, did you eat? Don't ask me if I've eaten. You know, I'm an adult. And it's 9 o'clock and I still haven't eaten. You know, because I just, I just don't keep my schedule, you know, when she's not there. So anyway, she asked me if I eat. I'm thinking, I should eat. And I turn and I see a beef jerky. And I'm like, well, there, I'll eat that. And I start trying to open this beef jerky and I can't get it open. And so I just put it down and go fix a bowl of cereal. <laughs> And I'm just saying that to say that courageous persistence is just not much, it's just not a thing that I'm great at. Um, courageous persistence, like, like really, really persisting in doing something. How about in your prayer life? You courageously persist. It's like, 
If I don't, if I don't get to pray in the morning, I may even skip lunch to pray then. Right? If I don't get to spend some time uh, communing with the Lord, I'm going to find a way to do it. Do you courageously persist in prayer when you don't get your way initially? That's a problem sometimes, right? I really prayed hard for a certain outcome. I didn't get it, so I'm going to stop praying for it. Is that what we do? That, that wouldn't be courageous persistence. How about do you, do you courageously persist in prayer when you're not really sure if you're being heard? That's the real problem with prayer, right? Am I really being heard? Is it really making a difference? If I knew very tangibly that when I pray, real things happen, like if I felt that way in my brain, then I would absolutely pray all the time. But the problem is I'm not very persistent because I'm not always sure that it's really making a difference. Do you courageously persist when the situation only seems to be getting worse? So I started praying, but it doesn't really seem to be helping. Things keep getting worse. Are you still praying? Because that's what Paul's, that's what he's encouraging them to do. Here's what Martin Luther said. Uh, Martin Luther, church father, he, um, he said this. He said, I have so much to do that I'll spend the first three hours of the day in prayer. Actually, somebody asked him about that. He said that and somebody said, what do you do if you have a lot to do that day? And he said, oh, if I have a lot to do, I, I spend four hours. And the idea is, is that he knows real things happen when I spend time in prayer and I get less done when I don't pray. Tim Keller, he pastors a, a huge church in, in, right in the middle of New York City, right in Manhattan. He says a couple things about prayer. Here's one of them. He says, prayer is, is very simply, he says, prayer's not that special. It's just the key to everything we need to do and be in life. <laughs> the key to everything we need to do and be in life. Secondly, he says, prayer is how God gives us so many of the unimaginable things he has for us. You start reading people who have done some pretty incredible things in, in, in the life of the church and in their faith, and what do they say consistently? I spend so much time in prayer. He says pray persistently. He also says pray, I'd say particularly, or for a particular purpose. Look what he says in verse 2. He says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Some of you guys will connect with this. You know what the word watchful means? You might want to take a guess. When we trace this back to the Greek, what he's actually saying very literally, he's saying, when he says, be watchful and thankful, he's saying, stay awake when you pray. I would say, listen to the sermon watchfully. <laughs> that's what he's saying. He's saying, literally, stay awake when you pray, right? And some of you would say, that's where I am in the struggle, you know? I, 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 I get into bed, and I'm like, I'm going to spend some time in prayer. And next thing I know, I'm waking up. He says, spend some time in, in prayer being watchful and thankful. But, but the, the meaning of that goes a little bit deeper. One author says it like this. He says, when we talk about, when we really want to get past just staying awake through our prayers and want to do something significant in our prayer life, he says, here's the problem that we run into. He says, sometimes we feel so weak in our prayer because we tried to make a domestic intercom out of a wartime walkie-talkie. You get that? He says prayer is an intercom between, between us and God, right? It's a way that we get to speak to God. And what we're trying to do is, is we try to treat the prayer line like we're going through the drive-thru at McDonald's. And it's like, God, could, you know, could I get some fries with that? And, and if they say, you know, yes, sure, we'll supersize it for the same price. You're like, oh, I'm so blessed, right? That, that's, that's prayer. It's like getting the very simple things that we need. And sometimes we treat prayer like that. And he says, but no, prayer is something different than that. It's like a wartime walkie-talkie. It's like we're serious things are happening in our lives, and we need, we need something significant here. 
And we're radioing back and we're saying, God, these are the things that we need. God, these are, these are, this is our strategy for doing what you've put us out there to do. And this is how we want to accomplish that. That's the idea for prayer. Um, sometimes when we come to God, it's like this. It's like as if we're saying, you know, we're on the battlefield and, and we're, I don't know, storming the beach. And we radio back in the midst of the battle, hey, can we get some bag lunches out here? You know, like we're just asking for the most simple thing that, that meets our immediate need. And God says, I want to give you so much more than that. You know, I want to give you purpose. And I want to give you richness. You know, and I want you to, I want you to, to accomplish my purposes in, in an incredible way that blows your own mind. And you just keep asking for these little, little bitty needs to be met. I want to do a heck of a lot more than that. He says, that's the problem with our prayer sometimes. He says, instead of praying in that way, he says, how about, how about we try to be watchful and thankful? How many times do you come to God in prayer and do you start with, God, thank you for? And how more often do you start with, God, I need? Nothing wrong with needing things. Hey, if you need somebody to get something for you, God's the guy, right? Scripture says he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He has a lot of stuff, right? But how often do you begin with, God, thank you for this? Do your children often come to you and begin conversation with, thank you for, and all the things they're thankful for? Or do they begin with, hey, I need, which, one's, which one happens more often? And, and, and wouldn't you be incredibly grateful? Wouldn't you be, not that God is inclined one way or the other, but doesn't it seem so much more rich to, for your child to come up and say, oh my gosh, every day I have food and I don't even have to cook it, you know? And, and I have so we have a house and I don't have to pay the mortgage. And you've done so much for me, I'm so incredibly grateful. But, but we approach God like the, like the ungrateful child. He says, come before God with some thankfulness. He said, and in your prayers, be watchful. Um, I would say being watchful is this idea. In your prayers, look for things that you can pray for. In your life, look for things that you can be prayerful about. Lacking intimacy with your spouse. Pray for that. That's something that God wants for you. I could point you to a whole lot of scriptures that aren't appropriate for the large group, right? Um, that tell you that God wants that for you. You're lacking that? Pray about that. Um, You've got a great need in your church. You've got a great need in your family, right? And, and, and something significant there that God wants for you, be watchful for things that you can pray for. How often does, is, is somebody at work going through something really, really challenging, and you know that, that the, answer, the big answer to the problem is God? That's something to be watchful for. That's something to pray specifically for, Right? And look, how often does somebody come to you and say something and you don't know the answer, you don't know what to say, you have no idea what the solution is and you, so you feel so inadequate. You know how you can overcome all that? You can be watchful and you can begin to pray. And if you feel so bold, ask them if you can pray for them right there. How powerful is that? And you've got to get over the fact that they may think you're weird because they may. A lot of people think I'm weird, Right? But you know what? It, it's okay with me. And, and they may think you're weird, but man, what if you sat down and somebody was having a challenging time and you just lifted up some prayer for them? Be watchful for some things you can pray for. That's what he says to do. If you remember, uh, if you wonder, I, I just always have to throw this in any time we talk about prayer. Um, I say this every time, but it's just a good rubric for me. But sometimes we say, well, what should I be asking for? And, and I tell you all the time what David Platt says about what you should ask for. 
Um, and he says, well, here's what you should ask for in prayer. He says, um, he says why don't you, uh, you know, read your Bible, spend some time in prayer, learn what God wants for you. And, and, and when you begin to want what God wants, then ask for anything you want. Yeah. Want what God wants, and then ask for anything you want. I think it's, it's a pretty good, pretty good rule for that. I, I try to stick to that as much as I can. So in prayer, be persistent, be particular, right, about the things that you pray for. All right, moving on. Let me ask you a question. What do you think of, what do you think of when you hear the name Babe Ruth? Baseball? Candy bar? I think of like Home Run King, you know? Uh, Babe Ruth, Home Run King. What do you think of when you hear the name Marilyn Monroe? Beautiful. Huh? Kennedy? Those things go hand in hand, right? That's why Kennedy was there, because she was beautiful. Uh, Michael Jackson? Music. King of pop, right? Light skin. I don't know, something like that. Billy Graham? Preacher. Preaching. Crusades. Stuff like that. Let me tell you, there's this guy named uh, D.L. Moody. He, uh, he's an evangelist, which is a pretty cool job title. It means, my job is to tell people about Jesus. It was his literal job title. You know, I'm a carpenter. He's an evangelist. So it's a pretty cool, pretty cool thing. So anyway, D.L. Moody, he made this commitment. He said, God, every day I'm going to take so seriously uh, your call on my life to, to share the gospel or to tell other people about you and how to come to faith in Christ that every single day I'm going to, I'm going to share, I'm going to personally, even if I preach a huge conference, I'm, not, I'm going to grab someone personally, and I'm going to share my faith with them. The story goes, D.L. Moody, it was like 10 o'clock at night, and he was getting ready to go to bed. He lived in Chicago, and uh, he realized that he hadn't shared his faith with anybody that day. He hadn't talked to anybody on a personal level about Jesus that day. And so uh, he gets dressed, goes back out. It's snowy, and uh, he wants to find somebody quick so he can get back in. And uh, he comes across some guy, and he, and he walks up to the guy, and they, have a, they start having a conversation, and he says... Um, he says, I, I want to know if you're a Christian. And the guy says, oh, you must be D.L. Moody. And he just knew, right, that if you're in this area of Chicago and somebody just boldly comes up and begins to tell you about Jesus, that's probably going to be D.L. Moody. And if you thought about D.L. Moody, you would probably say, Jesus, evangelist, something like that. That's what he was known for. The rest of that passage says, and pray for us too, this is Paul, pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. That means tell the story of Jesus and pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Paul says when you're praying particularly, pray for that. Pray that you would be, you and I would be evangelist. Pray that people would be open to saying yes to Jesus. Include that in your prayer. Be known for that kind of thing. The last point he says, he finishes with this. He says, pray that doors would be open, that people would be ready to say yes to Jesus. And then Paul says this. See if this resonates with you. He says, and pray for me, you know, like that I would be bold. Man, even Paul traveled around the world, 
right? Started churches all around the entire world, spends his entire life talking about Jesus in front of kings and in front of people that want to kill him. And even he says, hey, pray for me that I would be bold because sometimes I just get a little nervous when the conversation turns to Jesus. Pray that I would flee from that. You want to pray for something significant? Pray for that. Pray for some boldness to do that. And then he says, but don't stop there. You're working done with the prayer. Finish here. It says, verse 5, be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. That word outsiders means literally without. So he means be wise in the way you act towards people that are without Christ making the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. So Paul says, pray persistently and particularly, and then he just finishes with this. And when you're done with that, now you're ready to begin sharing the gospel. Now you're ready to begin telling people about Jesus. Can I tell you something very, very plainly? And this is so true for me, and it's often sin for me. If you're not consistently, if you're a believer... You're not consistently telling people about Jesus. You're living in sin. And there are seasons of my life where I'm I'm right there. And the conviction runs heavy. But if we're not doing that, we're living in sin. And we can make all excuses in the world that we want for ourselves. But at the end of the day, they're just inadequate because this is the mission that God has put us on. And if you're searching for something bigger and something better, and, you, and, and when you really get down to it, and let's say you begin to get a couple of things that you want, and you're not as satisfied with them as you want to be, or maybe you just realize you're at the point in life where you realize there are a lot of things in life you're never going to get, and you begin to say, is this what life is all about? And you just are, are struggling with some purpose. I'm going to tell you that this is your purpose. Sharing your faith, leading people to Jesus. That is your purpose. And if you're struggling with purpose, that's the purpose. Paul says, I'm going to tell you about the mystery of Christ. He says, there's a mystery out there, and it's like people don't know the way. And he's relating it particularly to Judaism, but he's saying people don't know the way, and they're not sure who the Christ is or who the Messiah is. And, you know, and, and, and so in doing so, they, they've sort of lost some purpose, and they've lost some direction. I'm going to solve the mystery for you. The mystery is Christ. He's the answer. That's the purpose. That's the point of it all. So if you're not convicted enough, let's, let's, let's do that now. When you begin to share this truth with people, here's what he tells us to do. I could dig in at so many points here, but I want to I point on this piece. He says, if you're going to talk to people about Jesus, he says, you've got to do this. He says, let your conversation be full of grace and be seasoned with salt. You guys ever, um, ironically... <laughs> I was watching that exact same show, um, the comedian show, and he's uh, they're in they're in Portland and they're riding past a, an abortion clinic, and and one of the guys they see a whole bunch of commotion and he's like it's it's not really that scripted. He looks over and he sees all these people at the abortion clinic and he's like, what are they doing? And he goes, oh, I think they're protesting. And then Jerry Seinfeld's like, maybe we should go too. And then they start debating about all kind of crazy stuff. But nonetheless, it's really clear that they look over and they see the protest and they don't see anything full of grace. And I'm not going to say that, that protesting is bad or, or anything like that. But, but the idea in Scripture is that when we're sharing about Jesus, we're doing it with grace. And we're doing it in a way that says, I love you. Let me tell you, these two words he uses, he says, use these in your conversations with unbelievers. These two words. One is grace. Here's the definition of grace. 
that which affords joy, pleasure, delight, sweetness, charm, loveliness, and grace of speech. Does that sound like the way you talk to people? He says, um, and season it with salt. Here's what he means by that. This is a society where they don't have fridges. You know what they did when they didn't have refrigerators? They had to season meat with salt, and, and that would cure it. That would keep it good, keep it from turning bad. And so if they would say so-and-so is seasoned with salt, that would mean they're good. That's a good thing. We have similar phrases like, like with a cherry on top. You say, please, with a cherry on top. And that means something good, you know, something extra, something good. And that's what he means. He says, he says have some grace when you talk to people about Jesus. And, and you know what? We struggle having grace with people who are far from Jesus, and we treat them like they should already know all the answers, and we struggle with talking to one another like that. Man, how often are we with one another, we're passive-aggressive, you know, we're, instead of being seasoned with salt, we're just a little salty and just a little ugly towards one another. We're short with one another. We're quick to look for each other's faults. And he says, man, if you're going to make an impact in the lives of people, it's going to be because you were full of grace in the way you spoke to them. And it's going to be because your speech was seasoned with salt. Be courageously persistent in prayer praying chiefly and mostly for people that are without Christ. Pray for good for them. Pray for great things to come for them, making the most of every opportunity and serving them, looking for opportunities to do things for them, ultimately that they may see Christ in you, and that ultimately, that prayerfully, that they may follow Him. Let me pray.